Hi, I'm Troy Richards. And I'm Daniel Mawson. Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Jackson, Missouri, and Daniel's our worship pastor. Our church is reading through the Bible in a year, and on this podcast, we examine highlights from this week's reading. We talk about the passages devotionally and try to answer questions people have shared with us. Our hope is that you'll discover how amazing God's Word is and how enjoyable it is to read for yourself, which is the key to understanding Jesus. Hello and welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm your host, Daniel, and I'm here with Pastor Troy. Da, 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 da. Hey, and everyone. Josh. Yeah, we're all here. Um, we're all ready to go. Uh, we've got notes strewn, strewn, strewn about Ooh, our right. table. It has been a good week. We, yeah. um, we went through Leviticus 25 all the way through Numbers 10. <laughs> and uh, two, uh, th- there are some chapters that are rough uh, in this reading to get through, but there's some really amazing things like couched in between so it's not things you can just gloss over uh we went psalm 28 all the way through psalm 31 and proverbs uh 10 all the way through through proverbs 11 middle of proverbs 11 and then mark chapter 6 the end of mark chapter 6 to mark chapter 9 uh through mark chapter 9 so uh a lot of stuff a lot of stuff that transpires mark moves really fast Mm -hmm. through that gospel (laughs) because it's one of the short it's the shortest gospel and so he uh, those stories uh, move through, so we move through the progression of the life of Jesus pretty fast. Uh, but uh, but all in all, uh, I think we had some really amazing times of reading through the week. So we will come back and we will share those with you. It's funny because I just said on your mark, and that's about what we're going to talk about. A lot of theme music. So we're going to, I think, start with Pastor Troy and move around Ooh. in a clockwise circle around our table. Yes. So you can't see us, but now that I means... Had, I had, I actually had some things from Leviticus, but we are going to deal with those in the question and answer time. That so sounds appropriate. I'm going to move ahead to Numbers Ooh. and... Um, the uh, it comes from Numbers chapter nine verse eighteen. I didn't bring a Bible in here with me, so I'm reading straight out of my devotional book. Man. So I hope I quoted the verse right. At the command of the Lord, the children of Israel would journey, and at the command of the Lord, they would camp as long as the cloud stayed above the tabernacle. They remained encamped. And what really struck me about this is such an amazing thought of how God comes down in a cloud, and this cloud hovers above the tabernacle. And everybody just breaks camp or, or sets up camp and so forth, and you stay there. It could be a week, a month, year, but they don't move until the cloud goes up and the cloud moves, and then they and they go they travel to wherever the cloud goes. And when the cloud stops, they stop and build the tabernacle or set up the tabernacle again, and they camp there. Um, it, it brings to mind all kinds of things. Of I wonder what that was like for people, you know, you think about it, you have people who are sick mm. or you get hurt or you're having just a bad day or, or there's some lag people lagging behind or, you know, or you just get settled. But it really is incredibly, uh, what really struck me is how much that is what we deal with today. How it seems like God always wants to move us when we don't want to move or we just get settled mm-hmm. into a routine. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, when we're supposed to be following the leadership of the Holy Spirit, it is supposed to be like that. It's supposed to be like a uh, cloud by day, fire by night type of thing. It's like, oh, oh, the Spirit of God is moving this way. We need to go with him. 
and and I and I was like, you know, I bet that's how they felt. Was it was like, hey, we just got comfortable in this spot, mm-hmm. or oh, what a neat place this is, and and it's like, oh, it's got this has the setting, you know, the rocks are right where they need to be, and <laughs> and the tent is a, what a perfect view we have here, and all these different things, and you get everything exactly like you like it, and then all of a sudden, uh, it. Um, it goes, uh, God, the cloud moves. It's like, what? You know, oh, this is the one I wanted to stay at forever. And we were only here for three days and now the cloud's moving and so forth. Uh, but that is, uh, it's kind of like God saying, uh, I just want to, I just want to remind you, this isn't about you getting comfortable where you are or enjoying this. We're on a journey and, and we need to continue to stay focused on that journey. We're on a mission, stay focused on the mission uh, because we are more like soldiers. I mean, you can you can imagine soldiers. I think about sto- soldiers in World War II as they were invading Normandy or whatever. Can you imagine them going to their uh, commanding officer and saying, "Hey, the trees are really pretty in this area. Let's just stay here and not advance toward the enemy anymore, or go free these people over in this area. Let's just let's just enjoy the setting here." Because they didn't, because they were on a mission, and uh, and we have to. It's it's really hard to it's really hard to think like that. Yeah. It's really it's really easier to think we're here on vacation uh, or here to just stay. Or like we've done enough. Or that we've done enough. It's time to retire. Pick a point where it's like, I've served enough. Or that this is our final destination. Yeah. That this is where it ends for us. And so we're we're in a mindset of, if I don't enjoy this now, I will never get to enjoy it. And, uh, and, and God tells us, no, this is just, you're on a journey. This is where I'm getting you to the promised land. You're still in the wilderness. And, uh, and just, so right now, don't, don't get comfortable in the wilderness, get to the place where I've really prepared something amazing for you. Mm. So. That's funny. Sorry. I just say this. I, the past two years I've been on the move <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and finally like this semester, it's been like, I think you're going to be here. And so I'm uncomfortable because I'm like, but wait, aren't we supposed to do something now? <laughs> and so it's kind of weird on both ends. It's like when you're so, you know, used to moving around and then, and then it does. And then God says, okay, no, we're stopping. And you're like, wait a minute. That's not what we do though. <laughs> you yeah. know? And it's like, no, you follow what the Holy Spirit says. And, and that would have been the way, I mean, they would have, I mean, think of if you want to keep moving, or you have somewhere you hope to get to, mm-hmm. and he says, let's camp here for a year. Same thing. I mean, it's yes. like, I don't want to stay here for a year. It's no. like, let's go. Well, and then at the end, like, and in the middle of those two situations, you have, sometimes God says, all right, park here for a bit. Yes. And you get used to God's thing being, all right, this is where I'm supposed to, what I'm supposed <laughs> to do this way for this long, you know, forever. Yeah. And then he says, all right, now change gears, do this other thing. And you're like, but but I thought we were doing this. That's you right. Know? And you've changed the pattern. You've changed. You're yeah. moving. I thought we were sticking. You know, like what's what's going on? You so it's like so important just to be like have your ear to the ground or mm-hmm. watching the cloud move. You know, whatever yeah. it is, because um, <laughs> it may stick around. It may move. Whatever. You just yeah. gotta be watching it. Yeah, Blackaby says you know you look for where God is at work and you join Him in His work, but that is so much easier to say than mm-hmm. it is to do. Yeah. Uh, because it's like I always see him at work when I found something else really fun to do. <laughs> it's like, God, I see yeah. you over there, but wow, what I'm doing right here, this is really great. <laughs> so. I think it's funny with me, like now that I am here and possibility an opportunity to stay even longer, now it's like, uh, I never haven't thought about if that opportunity isn't given to me now. <laughs> so I'm like, oh no, I have no backup plan. So <laughs> it's just following the Lord's heart. But anyway. Cool. Yeah. cool, cool, cool. Good talk. Well, um, I am in Psalm 31, um, verse 24. It's the last verse in this psalm, and it says this, Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. 
Um, and just in the past like two weeks, it seems like everyone around me is just like really going through stuff. Um, mm. and our, my personal family and then my friends and, and then just life around me. It seems like we we're getting through COVID and now, <laughs> now everything in life is just getting crazier. Um, and it's, it's a lot of health stuff happening just in our family and then just life crises. Like there's just so much happening and this verse, like just really, really got to me this concept of waiting on the Lord. Um, mm. And I think so much of waiting on the Lord, it, it, it is really hard. I will never say that. But in that waiting, like when you come out of it, oh my gosh, you just love the Lord even more than before. Um, and there's a song that is, it's, it's called um, More Now. It's by a group called Carrollton. And they talk about how um, life was hard and they like were falling out of love with God because their life was just going so bad. And then he redeemed them and, and he's like, and I believe in you more now. And I think that's something that we need to hear as Christians and something that I need to be reminded of and remind my friends and family of is like, listen, I know this is hard right now and I'm never, ever going to take away from that. But man, waiting on the Lord, getting through the night and seeing the new mercies in the morning coming, mm. the light coming is that you love God more and we don't know what's going to be happening in that waiting. But, you know, Philippians 1, 6, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And it's like, we're not finished. Like mm. this, there's not a, you know, tomorrow's like, all right, Josh, you're done being sanctified, you know, or like mm. whatever. It's like, it's a continual waiting for, for completion and it is coming. I mean, there will be a time in life when our time is done here on earth, but we're not complete and we have to wait for the Lord and, and be in that and trust that we are not done either, you know, and mm. he's not done with the people in our lives in this kind of stuff and just trusting him with that. And that waiting process is so hard, but from, you know, personal experience of, of waiting and then being able to see fruit from that and see God doing that. I mean, it is just beautiful. And I just needed to hear that this week. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, uh, you know, another, I'm, this is my second black heavy quote of the day, but, uh, mm-hmm. the, um, uh, he says, you know, we say, don't just stand there, do something. Mm-hmm. And he says, don't just do something. Stand there yeah. is what God says, yeah. you know? And, uh, and that's, uh, oh, again, so hard to do mm-hmm. because oh so, so many people are saying, Hey, do something, do something, do something, do something, do something. And the Lord could be saying, no, don't yeah. do anything. Just, mm-hmm. just, Stay there, but and that's and you're having to choose. Am I faithful to what? Do I make mm-hmm. these people happy, or do I please the Lord? Yeah. And, and 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 you always should please the Lord, but He doesn't complain as loud as the people who are around <laughs> us. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. He's quieter. That's right. And honestly, the waiting part is really hard. Like knowing when He's calling you to sit there, and you're just like. How? Like, how do I even just sit here? Like, even in silence, like, I'm trying to hear you, God, but sitting here is worse than yeah. than distracting myself. And, you know, so waiting's hard. But like I just said, like, joy comes in the morning, right? right? You know, like, it's... Yeah. it's That's an amazing passage. It is yeah. so true. And yeah. that he is going to redeem and he is going to complete. And it may not be tomorrow. It may not be next week. It may not be in the next yeah. two years. But, you know, yeah, 
it's I don't know. It was just I needed to hear that this week with everything going and if, on. And if you're like me, it's sometimes hard in the midst of all of like the the loud voices and trying to listen to God and trying to make His mm-hmm. voice louder. Sometimes the voices get muddled, and mm-hmm. sometimes God's like, all right, stay, rest. And sometimes the world's like, yeah, rest, don't do anything. And then yeah. then they oh, both yeah. sometimes like the the same thing overlaps. And sometimes God says, all right, now 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 I want you to move. And the world's like, yeah, and, you know, be overactive or whatever it is. They sound like they can say similar words, so it's hard mm-hmm. to. So I think sometimes it, personally, if I just I just can't, the world just can't have a voice. Yeah. If I want to hear God clearly, the world just can't be in that conversation. Because like you said, Troy, God can be quiet. Like mm-hmm. His voice is still and and slight. And He's a who is it that says God's a gentleman? Mm-hmm. Um, he'll He'll let you take the reins if you want. <laughs> you know, He'll yeah. He'll let you go first um, to your own destruction most times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, but I just I, if the world has a voice in my mind, that's when I get confusing, yeah, confused. Yeah. So and just kind of goes back to when Jesus was like, all right, I'm gonna go up on this mountain by myself and talk to God alone. You know, and it's yeah. like sometimes I just want to lock myself in a in a room mm-hmm. and just in a dark room and just sit there and that's yeah. it. You know, and just be still, wait for the Lord. Even now. when I read devotional writings, and it's not something, it doesn't have to be a pagan voice. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be something ungodly. In fact, it's w- more difficult when it is a godly voice. Mm-hmm. When I read a devotional and yeah. I'm like, oh my goodness, I need to do this and response to devotional. Right. Sometimes I have to stop myself and go, wait a second. Mm-hmm. That's just somebody who wrote that. That's right. not yeah. the word of God. That may not be a word from yeah. God. It is not the word of God. They might just be uh, talking out of their own experience. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, and I may be in some, so now I need to look into the word and see what the word says mm-hmm. to me. Right. Uh, when the word is speaking to you, absolutely, that is mm-hmm. that's potent. But 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 be be ready to differentiate what is the Holy Spirit speaking and what is not. Yeah, for sure. That was good, man. Guys. And when in doubt, don't. Don't. <laughs> that's right. Oswald Chambers. I, was, to, I thought it was Blackaby. No, sorry. <laughs> Blackaby quoting Oswald Chambers. Oh, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> Troy my, quoting Blackaby uh, turning <laughs> on the program. <laughs> Excellent, uh, man. Good discussion today, guys. So far. Um, Okay, so mine mine is more of like a it's all connected kind of um, you know if you've seen the meme of the guy with the bulletin board and he's like trying to explain to somebody you know how <laughs> the story it's all, of the Bible the story oh <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah yeah I heard that before <laughs> um, that's I mean like something just clicked in my mind today I never realized it didn't read it didn't realize it when I read through last year didn't realize it the first time I read through it this year and I realized it today when I was compiling my notes for the podcast so if it's a little un unrefined. Forgive me. Okay. Uh, but you, you have to be here to see the chart. You have to be here. To, yeah, you got to see the chart. I'll post it online or something. Um, but Leviticus 26, right? It's like the worst chapter ever uh, for God's people. Yeah. Um, yeah. In Leviticus, that's that's a that's a high praise probably. <laughs> but um, it's talking about my, my heading for chapter 26 as covenant blessings and discipline. Right. And of course, you know, you have this theme repeated so often in the Torah where it's like you've got blessing and curses. Which one do you want to take for yourself? You know, God pretty much says you can have your choice and you can go one way, or you can go the other. And and the first part of it is is so great. You know, God will back you up. He will do this if you're with him. He will make you fruitful. He will slay your enemies. And it's all wonderful. And then starting in verse 14, it said, but if you do not obey me, and for the rest <laughs> of the, the long chapter, I don't know, it goes to like verse 46. So it's like 40 more verses of um, if you don't obey me, this is how it's going to go. Right. And um, and I realized coronavirus, coronavirus. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, well, um, it get it's kind of separates it into four sections. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. You know, I don't know that they had paragraph 
um, headings back in mm-hmm. when it was written. I doubt it, <laughs> but I don't think God said, now break here for the next quadrant. Uh, but but it's like he says, if you don't do this, this is what's going to happen, and it's bad. And he says, if you further don't obey me and don't turn to me, then it's going to be this bad time seven, mm-hmm. and it's I'm going to throw these things in instead. And he said, and if you further don't obey me, so he does that like like four times, and each time he multiplies the bad by seven times. And I'm like, okay, when have I seen patterns of four and seven in the Bible? Revelation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pastor Troy is right now. He's teaching a class in Revelation. I don't know if you're here yet. Have you gotten to chapter six? We have. You have? Okay, yeah. so in chapter so, yeah. six. So we, as soon as you were starting to say it, I was like, <gasps> <gasps> yeah. So I'm, I'm like, oh, four things. And in, in Leviticus, you can go back. I'm not going to read it because it's a bummer and it's long. But um, if you go back, they're like, the quadrants are separated into like the four different horsemen. I mean, starting with like the Bobby white apocalypse. one. It says in verse, uh, let's see, we're in chapter 26. <laughs> Um, it says, those who hate you will rule over you. Well, the white horse is like generally considered like yeah. the Antichrist. So it's like going through all these things, we've got the horse of like famine and pestilence and war and like all these things happen to the Israelites multiplied times set. So anyway, I had a revelation mind blow there, bum, 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 bum. Um, but that di- it didn't <clears throat> stop there. So I Google it and I'm like, I'm, I'm surely, surely drawing connections where it, where it doesn't need to be because I haven't even gotten to the life application yet. Um, and apparently, the same set of four, like four disciplines, four things um, that would happen if you if you turn if God's people turn from Him happen in Zechariah chapters one and six mm-hmm. exactly said the same way, and in Ezekiel mm-hmm. chapter uh, fourteen. Right. So didn't pick this up last year when we were reading through the Bible. Just occurring to me now, and um, and so what that tells me we've got one in the Torah, we've got um, a minor prophet and a major prophet, and then we've got the, the the church age prophet. So right. like we've got we've got all four brands of prophets. Lots of supporting going. evidence here. Yeah. Lots of supporting evidence that not only is that true, but it's not something in and this is what what I'm applying to my own life and my own church and my own culture is that um, we don't just get to look at Leviticus 26 and blow it off like it's right. just a Leviticus reading. You know, my right. dad when I was in youth group, my dad would go up in front of the youth group. Was, he had like a a segment on Wednesday nights and it was Levitical readings. It was part that we would kind of laugh at. It was funny mm-hmm. and things that don't obviously don't apply to us in this current age right. and um at least the way they did like the goat's milk, mother's milk thing. Right. Um but but this isn't one of those things. This isn't one of those things where we can look at, and we know this because the exact same thing is given to us in Revelation. Mm. So the, the I think the 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 pattern repeats throughout both testaments. Take warning, church. I think it's it's saying for this isn't part of Leviticus we can overlook. Um, right. So so I think and, the, and just to be careful. There's no part of Leviticus that we can overlook. Right, yeah, I know what you're saying. I understand. But like specifically, right, like yeah, you yeah. turn from God, you turn from what he wants you to do. So how can we be saved? Mm-hmm. So um, how, how can we be saved then if, if God's people are just destined to turn from him right. over and over again? Acts 16.31, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Like, mm-hmm. man, church, the bar is not very high for, sa- for salvation. Mm. Just believe. Act on your belief. It's not a difficult concept, but so often we, we choose unbelief and we choose selfishness mm-hmm. and we receive what we've always been given. It says at the end, um, when the land becomes desolate and God's people have turned away from him for the final time, it says then the land will make up for its Sabbath years. Like mm-hmm. God's, God's going to bring all things to rest yeah. um, with or without you. It says in Ezekiel that only like, you know, we have the example and I'm going, I'm long-winded here and I'm sorry, um, but 
um, you know what you see like when Abraham, God's talking to Abraham about Sodom and Gomorrah and how, um, yeah, God, if, if there are 50 people there, will you spare the whole town? He says, yes. If there are 10 people there, will you spare righteous people there? Will you spare the whole town? Yes. Not going to be that way from mm-hmm. here on forward. Ezekiel says that even if the prophets Daniel, I, you know, all these prophets, righteous people were there, they'd be the only ones safe because they're the only ones living in righteousness. Wow. So you can't count on your culture mm-hmm. to save you. You can't count on your church, your pastors, or your parents to save you. You need to make a decision um, to turn to Christ, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved because the end's coming and and there's not going to be an escape outside of Christ. So mm. anyway. And it's so important. If you want to have those big map moments of like, oh my gosh, the Bible's consistent, like – yeah, that's why you have to read have and to understand read the story of the Bible that that we have a consistent God. Like what we were talking about last week, we don't we don't um, follow a God who is different in Genesis and different in Leviticus. Yeah. He's the same God from the beginning to the end. And so it's such a cool thing when you can think about the story of the Bible and how all of this fits in and how He's consistent. So I am a total geek about that. So hearing Dude. you geek about it was even better. Totally. So <laughs> this is better than any Marvel universe could ever write. Right. Yeah. And it's my, like that WandaVision. My next my next uh, d- uh, what is it? Devotional moment will will be another side of it, but I'm gonna wait until we go around the circle again. Okay. So cool. I see the floor. <laughs> and you know, one thing you said that I think is so important is is that uh, you know, saying we'd read this last time, didn't see this, read the time before, we didn't mm-hmm. see it, and so forth. And and one of the things that is uh, especially with books like Leviticus is each time we go through it, there will be something else that God is gonna mm-hmm. highlight that says, hey, this is this is something you haven't. Because sometimes it's our life experience, sometimes it's where we are in our mm-hmm. station of life, sometimes it's um, just other things that we have had revealed to us in other places. Now this comes to a greater understanding and so forth. And also just a quick plug for the Bible study in Revelation. We do that on Wednesday nights at 6. We are going through each chapter, one chapter at a time. I think we're on chapter 8, maybe chapter 9. Nice. Uh, tomorrow, uh, Wednesday nights at uh, 6 p.m. Uh, but... Um, yeah, so when you're hearing this podcast, I think we'll—I don't know where we'll be. So just go, just just come on and uh, join us on Wednesday nights at six. And if you want to go back and uh, we do it on Facebook Live, and so you can go through our Facebook page and go scroll down through the Wednesday night Bible studies and go back and and actually see uh, what Daniel's talking about in Revelation chapter six and and our study of that verse by verse. Uh, but mine comes from Mark chapter eight uh, for this week. Uh, it's Jesus when he then he came when then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, "I see men like trees walking." Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up, and he was restored and saw everyone closely. Now that that two step healing process intrigued me because I was like, that's kind of weird that Jesus would touch somebody, especially spit on him. And, and it, and it'd be like, uh, it didn't take, didn't work. It's like, Oh, let me try this. And, uh, and it's easy to, those are things where you just have to go, now, why is that in there? Why, why would Mark tell us that story? Uh, and, and, and so you go back and kind of look at some of the details, uh, that are there that I did again, things I didn't pay attention to, uh, before, like Jesus taking the blind man by the hand and led him away out of the town. I'd never really thought about that, that he didn't heal him where he was. He took Jesus guided him away from the crowds uh, to administer this healing process. 
Also, I hadn't connected that Jesus was asking his disciples in the previous chapter, having eyes, do you not see? Oh. Um, and uh, and sometimes, sometimes here we have uh, – it was like he was saying, sometimes there's moments where uh, we are with Jesus, we have this moment, mm-hmm. but we still don't see. And it takes that second touch of the master uh, where he has to come back again and then give us the ability to see that which we were Ooh. intended to see. I know Heavy. that stuff. That's yeah, cool. it was. It was. It was one of those goosebump moments where yeah. it's like, ah, because that's you know that's me. I, I sometimes I I hear him and I I want to believe him and so forth, and he's talking and I'm reading it and it's like, but it's not. It's just not clicking. Mm-hmm. But uh, but he comes back again. And, uh, and, and, you know, and, and it's a great question. He asked him, do you, do you see what, what do you see? Mm-hmm. And then you say, well, here's what I see. And the response of Jesus is like, okay, you need, you need a little more work. We can do better. <laughs> we, we can do better <laughs> than that. That's right. That's right. That is not the way uh, it's supposed to be. So it wasn't that Jesus was limited in his ability to heal. It was just demonstrating that sometimes we have, we are, we don't receive that which mm-hmm. he is giving to us, um, fully. Uh, and so, uh, so and that's, you know, I think that there's so many times in life where we, somebody comes and they think, oh, I, I've got everything I need. And we're still not seeing the world the way God mm-hmm. intends for us to see it. Uh, and that's why we need to come back to him uh, over and over. That's part of the discipleship process, mm-hmm. you know, is, is it, I think that's a good, a good word for us, even interacting with one another saying, hey, Okay, we read this passage. Mm-hmm. What is that passage? Now, what are you what are you thinking that mm. says? You know, what are you, what are you getting from that? And uh, and there are many times it's like, uh, oh yeah, that means this. And it's like, mm, no, <laughs> I don't think that's where we're going with that. So um, uh, so anyway, that's uh, that was that was a good word. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, mine's in Mark chapter nine. Uh, Ooh, and, wow. um, and um, this is a verse that kind of clicked for me um, and not fully clicked because I'm sinful because uh, we all are. But this last semester when I um, was starting to teach the youth and I was teaching um, some classes for the college students, but let me read the verse first. Um, Mark 9, 34 and 35 says this, but they kept silent, they being the disciples, for on um, the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he, Jesus, sat down and called the 12 and he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all. And servant of all. Um, and I just want to emphasize the servant of all. Because um, I, I think <laughs> Christians um, have this like subconscious thought that I'm above this person because I know, like, mm-hmm. I, I know God and I know the Bible. And so we like put ourselves above lost people and sometimes even above Christians because mm-hmm. that Christian doesn't know that doctrine that well or they don't know their Bible that well. They've only been a Christian for this long. And so we like, we do this subconsciously and not that I still don't do it, but like I was really doing it when I was teaching over there. And I was like three or four weeks into me teaching. I was like, what is, I feel weird. Like there's something wrong and I, I don't, there's something weird going on. And so I was reading Philippians and, um, when it talks about Jesus emptied himself to, to serve others basically. Um, and then, you know, you see this massive theme throughout all of scripture that it's all about servanthood and stuff. Um, and I think that we need to hear this loud and clear from God that, um, especially just leading or wherever you are, even in your job, even if you're not in ministry, our job is not to like lead out with like a sword and like, you know, do all these crazy things, but to serve them. The best Mm -hmm. form of that is to take humility, 
put yourself lower than that person and serve them, put all their needs and desires above yours Mm. because following Jesus takes sacrifice. And that doesn't, you know, that also includes our desires and our wants and our needs. And so I just, it it blew my mind and stuck out to me because I had that mindset of I'm leading these people. And Mm. it's like, no, I'm not. (laughs) I'm really not. I'm following Christ. And the best way that I can serve him is by serving these people. Right. By by teaching them and talking to them, having relationships with them and with the youth, the same thing. You know, I can't um, lead them or do anything, but I have to serve them and love them and care about them and care about their care about their desires and their wants and put them um, above me. Um, because right. who am I to put myself above them? That's not that's not what God desires. And so, um, yeah. And I just. Yeah, it's just something interesting. Not like I said, not in ministry, but in your work, in your job. I mean, in your home, in yeah. your, everywhere. Put yeah. everyone else's desires above yours. Count them more honorable than you. And and I don't know. That's just what was really popping out to me and a good reset in my mind of like, oh yeah, yeah. I'm serving even just the body of Christ here at church. Like I'm not, I'm not doing anything other than serving. And that's. Right. Yeah, anyway, that's what stuck out to me this week. That's, and, that's uh, awesome. And I, I was thinking that this morning even, uh, reflecting on uh, a time in our married life where we went through a really difficult struggle, uh, and it, it all went back to that I, I look at my wife and think she's not helping me mm-hmm. to accomplish the dreams and goals of ministry that I have. You know, she's holding me back because of all these whatever things she's gotten that she wants to do, like taking care of our kids and things like spending family, dumb stuff, dumb stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and it was, it was a a, a really tense moment. And, and Christ had to get me alone and basically say, Hey, uh, you're not serving me if you're not serving her. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so it had, I had to change my mindset of, you know, because I, I have people around me who are like, I, uh, you know, I, you know, I've got this I want to have, and I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm not going to give this up because mm-hmm. this is, I deserve this. Yeah. And it's like, you know, if it requires us losing everything, mm-hmm. you know, if whatever, whatever career goal you had, whatever property or whatever thing you know, you're trying to achieve monetarily or politically or whatever, you lose all that. I mean, when you stand before Jesus, it's not like he's going to go. Man, you really messed that up. You yeah. could have you could have been amazing. You could have been great. And you just chose to serve those people in Calcutta. Uh, you know, whatever. Right. And and it, I mean, we obviously it comes back to who we're following. Yeah. And if we're following Christ, then yeah, then it changes our whole mindset toward the people around us. Yeah, yeah people will take advantage of you. They will abuse you. They will mm-hmm. they will by giving to other people, you will lose a lot of opportunities to uh, push yourself ahead. Yeah. But um, at the same time, um, you will advance the cause of Christ. So, yeah. and yeah. I just wanted to share Romans twelve three and four because mm-hmm. of this. And it says, "For by great, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. I think that's just important for us to hear that God assigns measures of faith. So, like, mm-hmm. I can't expect someone um, to serve." like me in ministry when, when God hasn't called them to serve vocationally in ministry um, right. or same thing. Yeah. Like I, we just can't measure people's faith that God has given them. And so right. we need to, you know, serve them in that way by 
helping them and helping them along and teaching them and, you know, just doing what we're called to do yeah. um, as Christians. So anyway. As if they could work harder to get more grace. Right. Right. Like, right. I mean, mm-hmm. like, that's just the opposite of mm-hmm. the definition of yeah. great. As like, I'm, I'm frustrated with you because you don't have as much grace yeah. as has been given me or somebody else. Or I'm frustrated with myself because I haven't mm-hmm. been given as much grace as maybe this other person. <laughs> like, maybe maybe God gave you five talents and he gave the other person ten. Right. Like, yeah. is that all right with you? Yeah. Right. Like, right. Yeah, and expecting so much of even out of, we expect so much out of lost people. It's like, well, yeah. you're sinning this like horribly, and it's like they yeah. don't have the Holy Spirit telling yeah. them what to do. Yeah. You know, and sinner sin yeah. is in their job description. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So I just I just think that's super super interesting. That was yeah. a Blackaby quote, wasn't it? That was a Tony Evans quote. Tony Evans, yeah. awesome. <laughs> the Urban Alternative in Dallas, Texas. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Good stuff. Um. My last one. Um, this is this is the last thing we'll we'll kind of do before we break for questions. But um, in uh, Psalms 28, 8 through 9, I'll just read it. It says, "The Lord is the strength of His people. He is a stronghold of salvation for His anointed. Save your people, bless your possession, shepherd them, and carry them forever." And it's just a simple truth um, that that spoke to me this week. That um, the Lord not only like. The Lord is the strength of his people, not the Lord's people are stronger when they have the Lord, right? Mm. Um, the Lord is the sum total of the strength of his people. So that God's people were compared to sheep for a reason, because sheep are weak <laughs> and stupid. And I, I feel both of those things intimately in my own life, and I see it in, in others as well. Um, but we, our, our entire, the entirety of our strength is wrapped up in Christ and him crucified. Like, we don't have anything else to offer. Uh, so... Uh, when we when we pray that God would uphold us, what we really mean is that God will hold us, you know, mm-hmm. hold us up because we can't even stand. We don't have strength, and I think right. that's what David's probably getting at here. Um, and that's that's it. That's, it's, yeah. That one's significantly simpler. Simple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Significant. Awesome. All right, well, let's do some questions and answers. This is a section commonly known as question and answer segment. If you have questions that you would like to have answered, email us at Troy or Daniel or office at fbcj.us. Yeah, just pick a name just and put name. at fbcj.us. Josh will <laughs> have his own at some point. <laughs> once, I, once I stop being lazy and do it for him. <laughs> Troy at fbcj.us or Daniel at fbcj.us. Yeah, those will be safe. Yeah, right. And then I will forward it to Troy at fbcj. That was like... Or I'll just save it for the formal. podcast. <laughs> this section of right. I like that. Like this is where we. I like unnecessarily formal. This is where we calm it down, bring it in, and okay. think with. Smartness. All right, let's 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 hit a question because we have several. All right, okay, questions. Josh, I have a out. question. Throw yes. Um, why is the year of jubilee so important? The year of jubilee. The year of jubilee. All right, when God was bringing the people out of Israel. There was a there was a, a a pattern of rest that he was incorporating to them, and the pattern was every six days you work, and on the seventh day you rest. Now, on that Sabbath rest, just to just to back up and make us sure, but instance, the Sabbath is Friday night at sundown to Saturday night at sundown. So that is the period mm-hmm. of uh, Sabbath rest, and he patterns that after himself, where he created the earth in six days, and then he rested on the seventh day. Mm-hmm. And so he was saying, as it's kind of like tithing. This is as a as a means of recognizing that I am the Lord uh, and that it is my world that you will rest. 
and and uh, and, and it, well, the crazy part is is that he even builds that into the very fabric of of, of their existence, meaning that on the day before the Sabbath. He would give them twice as much food so that they would not mm-hmm. uh, have to work on the Sabbath. So he'd already prepared for that. Now, as I think about it, that's a supernatural act. Yeah. That's, that's actually he's he's made the world work in such a way that you're going to get blessed with more. Mm-hmm. And then you'll have so you won't have to work. And and if you think same God, just think in that principle, just to, to flesh this out. Uh, that's the same God we worship today. Yeah. So that means he's patterning your life, your life and my life in the same way. Meaning he's already incorporated your giving to him into the order of your life. Uh, we're the ones who messed that up. Um, and anyway. Shocker. Uh, shocker there. So then he says, I want you every seventh year. I want you to give the land a rest. I want you to not do anything on the seventh year, to let the land rest. Now, here's how it works. You work six years, and on that sixth year, uh, he's going to give you enough produce to get you through three years because you've got to let the land rest and then the next year you're planting, mm-hmm. and then the next year is when you get to reap from that harvest and have food. So, But he says, I'm going to give you enough where you can get through that cycle. Mm-hmm. You're not to eat anything in that that grows, even that, wild. If it's growing wild, you, you eat the produce from the sixth year for two years. Uh, so, which is just crazy how he would make it work like that. So anyway, so this is all about being people of faith. And so then he says, now in a cycle of seven of those seven, so 49 years, so you've done that seven times. After you've done it seven times, so you now you have that 49th year, which is a year of Sabbath rest. But in the 50th year, he said, this is going to be a year of Jubilee. So now not only does everything rest, but now, you, now there's this huge celebration and all debts are to be forgiven. All all slaves who've been uh, whatever set free. So, and he even builds this into their order of society. Meaning, if I'm going to sell you some property, and I'm really not selling it to you, really more like leasing, uh, but I'm least giving you some property because everything goes back to its original people after 50 years because the land is God's, and whoever He apportioned it to, that's who it's apportioned to. Those families have that land. And so, but say for instance in business. Daniel comes and he needs my land. So I said, okay, you can have it. Now we are to calculate how long it is to the year of Jubilee, because obviously if next year's the year of Jubilee, he's only going to get it for a year and not to get it back. So we adjust the price accordingly. And God told them to do that. Mm-hmm. Here's the, here's the crazy part. They never did it. Never happened. They never were faithful for 50 straight years in order to celebrate the time of Jubilee. But when Jesus comes in, and he comes before the um, – well, uh, the other part about that is if you are uh, somebody who you can't afford to you, – you, your finances plummet or whatever, so you sell, you put yourself in servitude. Say, for instance, my finances plummet, so I go to Josh and say, Josh, can I work for you? Be your servant, indentured servant basically kind of thing. Just work on your – live on your house, whatever, for this period of time. Uh, and uh, as a way to pay off this debt, my family and I have kids and whatever, when the year of Jubilee comes, you have to release me from all of that. Uh, and there's no, it's not a question. There's no exceptions. Uh, he did say that if you, if I chose to stay with you and serve you, that you could, I could get an earring uh, to prove, you know, you take it all and put it through my ear. But, uh, and I could choose to, but that's by my choice, not because I'm forced to do that. But all debts are forgiven. And everybody gets restored. Now, 
when Jesus comes and he's speaking before the synagogue and he's revealing himself to be uh, the Messiah, he, go, he goes to a passage in Isaiah and he says, I'm here to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. That's the, uh, that's the idea, the favorable year of the Lord is this idea of jubilee. And so really what Jesus is saying is the time of jubilee that you've been waiting for is now here. This is the 50th year or whatever. It's it's The, the rest has been fulfilled and now... All I'm proclaiming uh, the release of the captives and all the people who are enslaved. Everybody is now declared free by Christ, uh, and and that's that was the idea of the Messiah that the Messiah would come and he release everybody from all debts that they have and so forth. And and it went much deeper than people could understand because it's like he wasn't saying that this guy who was in servitude, that he was forcing this guy to release him. I mean, he, he'd be okay with it, obviously, if the guy recognized that. But he was saying, no, I'm, I'm actually, the real captivity that we're all bound to is death. Death is holding us all captive, mm-hmm. and we are all <clears throat> slaves to death. We're all slaves to sin, which leads to death. And Jesus is saying, now you are released from that. And, and so we actually live in a time of jubilee. Um, and, and kind of aside, when the Israelites were taken captive, when the, the tribe of Judah was captured and so forth and taken to um, Babylon, they were there for 70 years. And God said, I'm going to hold you here 70 years because that's how many Sabbath years you you didn't do. That's so the land is going to rest. Mm. You didn't let the rent land rest, so now I'm going to take you out of the land and let the land rest for the amount of time that you failed to do. Mm. Uh, so he gave the land its rest. Uh, even when the people didn't do it obediently. Which is something he said he would do in Leviticus 26. Yeah, Leviticus 26, that's right. He's fulfilling uh, what he said. And and so when he says what he's going to do in Revelation, you can bet <laughs> that he's going to do that, exactly as he said. So anyway, yeah. So I love, I mean, I love the idea of the Jubilee and, and so forth. Uh, but Jesus is our Jubilee. So that's a Michael Card quote. Um, my other question um, could probably be seen as political, uh, the climate we live in. Everything's political. I know it is. Mm. But I really and, – and what I'm about to ask is not some sort of menist thing that – you know. but I, I really was curious um, in Proverbs, why is, is wisdom pictured as a woman? Um, mm. Because it talks about right there at the beginning of Proverbs and what we're about – or as – you continue through Proverbs, you see wisdom pictures of women. It's wisdom cries out in this, or she cries out in the streets. And so what's the point of it? Is there significance to it? I have no clue. I'm just actually really curious. Yeah. Well, in Hebrew, uh, it's very different than uh, in English. And, and the Romantic languages are like this and as well when you talk about Greek and French and Spanish and Latin and um, in that they have a they have genders uh, for the, the the terms that they use. Uh, you have masculine verbs and feminine verbs and, and uh, masculine nouns, feminine nouns. Uh, and uh, when we think of words that are masculine and feminine in our language, we tend to think of of those uh, masculine words tend to be identified with a boy and feminine words tend to be identified with a girl. We do have exceptions to that uh, where like we talk about a ship and we refer to it as she, that ship, uh, you know, she's a, she's a beautiful ship or whatever. And we're giving it, and the ship isn't necessarily a male or female ship. We're just giving it a term that is mm-hmm. ma- a male or female. So that's kind of the idea. There's no neutral gender. And in, in Hebrew, uh, really, there's no it. 
Uh, and so, uh, like we have here, uh, and so, so it's going to be given one thing or the other. And sometimes the context has something to do with it. Meaning if it's the verb is feminine, mean is doing something feminine, uh, that would be considered feminine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would use a, a feminine noun, uh, to address that or to, to match. Uh, so there's a, there's more things going on with language than trying to address a actual, uh, give you the idea of, of masculine or feminine, but also important to understand is that masculine and feminine both stem from the same God. It's not, uh, it's, I mean, while he is masculine, uh, in, in the language and, and when he reveals himself as Jesus, he is a man. Um, God is above all those things. He created man and woman. He is not, he is neither man nor woman. He came to earth as a man, but as father God, uh, even though father is a masculine term again, um, uh, the womanhood of of the earth uh, stems from God. Mm-hmm. Now that's the 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 difficulty, and like you said, the political part of it or whatever, is that that uh, some people would associate wisdom with the goddess Sophia of wisdom and, and take it back to a, a kind of a, a go back to a Greek god kind of thing and so forth and try to tie things with a woman god or or things like that. that that's that's going beyond the text, yeah. going beyond what the word allows us to do. Um, and, uh, and th- those are just dangerous places. Wisdom in, in Proverbs is talking about a, uh, an, in, you know, just the idea of wisdom, mm-hmm. uh, the concept of wisdom is not to be synonymous with God or whatever. It's just, uh, something that Solomon possesses. Um, uh, but, uh, it's sometimes when we're talking about, uh, sometimes it is a word that could be used interchangeable with God, but sometimes it's not. Uh, so, um, so anyway, that, but, but the easiest explanation is is that in in, in Hebrew, uh, you have that uh, that language, uh, masculine and feminine language that we don't. That's not that not the same way we do it in English. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Okay. All right. What are the oh, questions we got? Oh yeah, we had some people that some some question is. All right. <clears throat> some some, Love some it. questions. Let <clears throat> me pull it up. I had it drawn up, and then other people. So while you're pulling that up, just so I'm clear on the on the personification thing, in the yeah. in the English language, we have. Words, even when we personify something like it and they, where right. we're like, where it's, we can be a little more nuanced with gender because it's not as important in our language. But for them, they just go straight to, they're not meaning this is a woman, this right. is a feminine characteristic. So therefore, it's a, therefore, it's a woman. Right. To be identified with a woman or, or the, uh, or, yeah. They have, yeah, okay. Yeah, the words are masculine, feminine for all various reasons. Yeah. But you could have a very, a man-oriented word that is feminine in language. Like a ship. Uh, right. Like a For instance, is, right. You think of yeah. guys on boats. Yeah, yeah. or yeah. on a big naval ship or whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm, that's, I'm, we're really getting sexist anyway, here. So. Anyway, we can move on. <laughs> we're going down a rough path yeah. here. I, I don't want to... I think we all understand. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, in, but in the language, yeah, it's, there's no... We tie that in our culture, but but in that, their world, they would not have necessarily drawn those conclusions. But they were able to use some imagery... With the woman, so like in the in Proverbs, they would talk about because wisdom was personified in the feminine, they were able to take that and say, well, the woman cries out, wisdom cries out in this door, and the prostitute in this other door of folly of you know. Right. So they were able to like bounce off that. So that was helpful to them, not harmful. Right. And and also again, you're using a word that uh, would be when you're talking about feminine characteristics, you would use words that were feminine in nature. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily mean they're saying that wisdom is a woman. Feminine characteristic. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Okay. All right. Oh, I just had the question and I lost it. Let me pull back. Okay, here it is. Um, what tribe, uh, first of all, just a comment about uh, how many people there were, the vast numbers of people from each tribe uh, and uh, 20 and above. Uh, there were millions, possibly one to two million people traveling in the Exodus. Uh, so we're doing through numbers, uh, Leviticus and numbers, uh, lots of people. And it said it, they just made the comments, mind-boggling to travel with that many and the organization of it all. Um, but God God organized it and created the organization. But the question was, what tribe was Moses and Aaron with? Uh, they were from the tribe of Levi. Mm. Uh, so that's uh, so the priesthood comes from the tribe of Levi. Uh, and until you get to Jesus, where they go back to the order of Melchizedek, because Jesus is from the tribe of Judah, yet he clearly is in the priesthood, but is a priesthood that predates uh, Moses and Aaron. Uh, which would have been Abraham, uh, had this interaction with Melchizedek. Uh, and so that's the priesthood that Jesus is tied to, uh, which is... What was is the question? I didn't hear it. That. What tribe was Moses and Aaron with? Moses and Aaron, Aaron. with. So, and okay. they, are, they are from the tribe of Levi. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and the other question was, uh, what uh, about Jesus? Uh, the woman that wanted the demon cast out of her daughter in Mark seven twenty seven. Let me pull that one up because... You need a Bible? No, I got it written down in here. I was going to. Troy's transcribed the entire Bible. That's right, exactly. <laughs> uh, it says, From there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he entered a house and wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hidden. For a woman uh, whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. Uh, the woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, Let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. Uh, and this get asked this question actually quite a bit of is Jesus being rude to this woman of saying you're a dog uh, and but here's the idea is and, and it would have been normal for Jewish people to look at people from other countries as being uh, dogs or so forth but let's put it into the context of what's actually happening Jesus for several moments now throughout the Gospel of Mark, is trying to get away from people. He's trying to have a moment with his disciples where he can have some intimate time of discussion and so forth. So you can think that that's where he's he's trying to get to a place where he's not being interrupted or bothered. He is now sitting down with his disciples in a meal, and this woman comes in and interrupts this meal, this this personal time between him and his disciples. Now, you might say, well, he's Jesus, he's, but but he's also but also there's a there's a moment here where you're like. Uh, why are you here? Because there's a lot of people in this region, because these are pagan people. These aren't people who understand Jewish law. These aren't people who understand that he's the Messiah. These aren't people who understand uh, the the nature of, of, of faith. And so, uh, but they were very spiritist people. They were very uh, superstitious. So word would have spread. He, remember, he's already been to a place where he's cast uh, the, the demons out of this one guy into these pigs and so forth. And, and you have people who are cr- kind of crossover people who are, uh, some people with an understanding of Jewish background, but are in a land that is, that's basically Syria. Uh, and so he's in this, he's gone outside of Jewish territory so that he's not to be bothered. So now he's in pagan territory or people who have different belief systems and uh, who are not of the Jewish faith. He's not in Israel. And so he's in this uh, region controlled by Syria. And so this woman comes in, and so he has this little discourse with him, and it's kind of like, hey, uh, 
you know what? Um, I appreciate you coming in here and you got your problems or whatever, but I'm not some spiritist or whatever. And uh, and what I'm giving is I am. And, and so he uses a little analogy of, hey, you know, when you're sitting down to a meal, uh, you don't bring the dogs in to eat. That's something you do uh, later. And uh, and this is the time when I'm I'm eating with my family. Uh, and she says that even in she takes his example and she says, but even when you're doing that, there are crumbs that fall off the table and the little dogs come and eat off the floor and they don't even bother the family when they're eating. And Jesus, so moved by that example, realizes that she gets who he is. And what's happening? She's like, I recognize that you're a Jewish rabbi and you're eating. She goes, I don't need, I don't need anything big. She goes, you can continue to do what you're doing. I just need a quick word from you, and my daughter will be healed. And he says, I have not, I the whole time we were in Israel, never saw this kind of faith. And he says, so we came, we came out of Israel, and we found greater faith than we found when I was in Israel. And he says, you know what? Your daughter's healed, and uh, and you can go your way. It's a, it's a, it really is an incredible story of a woman who has a love for her daughter and says, I don't I don't need much Jesus. I just I just need a, a little tiny crumb, yeah. and that's all it would take to uh, to save me. How cool is it that even with all the, like the inside of being God, right? Yeah. That he is he's still able to function perfectly in the bounds of like human emotion and human yeah. norms. He, he didn't step outside of what a normal reaction would be in that yeah. situation, but he still handled it with perfect insight and perfect mm-hmm. grace. Yes. Like, oh, that's yeah. so cool. And so she's not offended. She just picks up on what he's saying and she gets into his analogy mm-hmm. and, uh, and twist it back to where it's, it, uh, she puts herself into his story and says, you know, OK, I, I'm following what you're saying that you, you don't need to be interrupted. She goes, but even in your analogy, uh, crumbs fall off the table and I can get this and not bother and not interrupt anything. And what a good example for us in Jesus of when our when our norms and when our normal flow of life is interrupted, mm-hmm. like taking our reactions and making them subservient to the Lord. And I think I think even even the fact that he is taking a moment to say what do you really want? Mm-hmm. You know, are you, are you here because you think I'm popular and, you know, and you want an autograph or you're here because other people have said amazing, th- like kind of like King Herod, yeah. you know, do a show, dog and trick pony for me you know, or dog and pony show for me and so forth, or perform some tricks. And Jesus didn't do that. He didn't respond to people by that, who were asking for those kind of signs and wonders and so forth because they weren't looking to him as the Messiah. But when we come, but anytime somebody comes to him and says, calls him Lord, I, we recognize you as the master. We see you're the son of David. You're the Messiah. All through the Gospel of Mark, he's doing this. And that's what differentiates people. That's the difference between Zacchaeus and the rich young ruler. You know, one's like, hey, I hear you're a great teacher or a good teacher. And Jesus is like, nobody's good. And he's like, he's just trying to, he's fishing him out. He's saying, you, you, you're, you don't have the right heart motive here. But Zacchaeus comes and says, I, you know, Lord, I, you know, I just want to follow you. And I'll give up everything to follow you. Uh, and then he says, salvation's come to your house, you know. So it's like, uh, that's what this story is with this woman is that she, she's coming in. He's like, so what's your, why do you, why do you want to be here in this moment? And she's like, I, I just want, uh, I just want to touch the hem of your garment kind of thing. Mm. You know, I just want a little piece of the glory that you have because I think you're God. Okay. And, uh, and he blesses her as a result. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. What a week. All right. Well. That, that's the last question? That's it. Okay. Well, we are going to pick up right where we left off next week. Thanks for listening. 
Thanks again for listening to the Understanding Jesus podcast. If you would like more information on Understanding Jesus or First Baptist Church of Jackson or would just like to submit a question or comment, then you can call the church office at 573-243-8415 or you can email us at office at fbcj.us. Thanks so much. We'll see you soon.